Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Optometry Money Podcast, where we're helping ODs all over the country make better and better decisions around their money, their careers, and their practices. I'm your host, Yvonne Mindrin, certified financial planner and owner of Optometry Wealth Advisors, a no-commission fiduciary financial planning firm just for optometrists nationwide. And thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate your time and attention. And today's episode, we're going to talk all about estate planning. As if you didn't know already, uh, this week is National Estate Planning Awareness Week. And as far as uh, made-up awareness uh, weeks and months go, this is a pretty a pretty good cause. And before we dive into that, just want to give a, a few updates here. So Eric Matei and I of Acrinos uh, just wrapped up a three-part video series about the financial planning considerations up to doors open and then beyond for uh, cold start optometry practice. So follow Acrinos, keep an eye out for those. Those will be pretty um, pretty helpful. Hopefully, if you're thinking about getting started and, and cold starting a practice of your own. Um, also, Dr. Alan Glazier and I have um, are, are working on some things together to provide a, a lot of hopefully what I think should be helpful content to optometrists in the ODs on Facebook community. So if you, you've got some things you'd like to learn more about, on your mind, some topics or things you had questions about, let me know. Happy to uh, write about, make videos about, post about those things. So uh, that's something else. And then uh, next week, I'll be heading over to sunny San Diego uh, for AAO Academy. And if you're going to be there, would love to meet you in person, love to get together. And for those who've already um, started scheduling times to to meet, uh, really looking forward to it. So, So let's talk about the main topic for today, estate planning. What is estate planning? What does that even mean? Well, estate planning is basically just making decisions today that you wouldn't otherwise be able to make if something happened to you. Uh, Decisions around your money, who's managing it, where does it go to, how is it supposed to be managed, Um, decisions around your healthcare, who can make healthcare decisions for you, or around who gets to take care of your children. All of those decisions that can't be made if you were to pass away or if you became incapacitated through illness or disability. So estate planning is all about sorting through all of these decisions now while you have the ability to do so. And there are legal means to do that. There's legal documents that allow you to get your wishes um, and make them official. And when we talk about estate planning, um, there's usually certain documents that most people talk about. Uh, There's going to be often a living trust, you know, maybe that's state dependent, but there's often going to be a living trust. There's often going to be a will that's a part of that, or often called a a pour over will. Um, There's often going to be a financial durable power of attorney. So uh, that helps you name someone to handle your financial affairs if you were incapacitated and couldn't. And there's also a, um, usually a healthcare power of attorney or a, a living will which is the same thing, but about medical decisions. You know, often what I hear about estate planning is, man, that's something that you do when you're wealthy, right? You you handle that. You think about that when you've got enough wealth and it matters. My rebuttal to that is usually where people usually have a house. They usually have like a life insurance policy. And those two the, those two things alone are usually a pretty substantial amount. I mean, the that's a, a big enough estate, I guess you can say. That's a big enough chunk of change to where it makes sense to start doing some serious planning. 
especially if young children are involved. That's that's enough of a value to worry about to make sure that something like that's handled uh, handled appropriately. And the most important thing I usually bring up is that for families with young minor children, those minor children are are all the reason in the world you need, right? Because you want to be able to name a guardian, to name who is going to take care of them if something were to happen to you in, in just that awful worst case scenario. But you do want to have that say, and you also want to have that say about who's going to manage the assets for those children and how. So it doesn't take a whole lot to make... Um, to put you in a position where you need to start thinking about estate planning for yourself. I'm not going to have a huge, uh, I'm not going to have a really long episode today about estate planning. In fact, I just want to zoom in on one topic, one thing that's one estate planning topic or item that applies to almost every optometrist, no matter where you're at in your career, what your wealth is, how old you are. And that's making sure that you are keeping track of and updating your beneficiaries on your different accounts and your different insurance policies. So what are beneficiaries? Well, if you look at different accounts like your IRAs, retirement accounts, or your 401k, they're usually going to have a named beneficiary uh, or your life insurance policy. Your uh, your beneficiary is going to be the person who gets that death benefit of your life insurance policy. And same thing with your retirement accounts, the beneficiary is going to be that person or entity or institution that's going to inherit those accounts from you at your death. And you can name a uh, primary beneficiary, which is that first person or people in line to uh, to receive that, inherit that. Um, and then there, you can name contingent or secondary beneficiaries, which are the next line of people to where uh, if something happened to you and also the primary beneficiaries, that's that next line of people or institutions that inherit all of that from you. And beneficiaries are a really, really actually a really cool tool in, in terms of estate planning because they work outside of the probate or court system for handling an estate. They work outside of even the living trust. If you have a trust, they work on their own and they they essentially allow those people or institutions to inherit it directly. So they're they're really efficient, quick, well, sometimes quick, not, not all the time, but really efficient ways to pass on things to someone or somewhere else. And I want to talk about a few things to, to keep in mind. So uh, it's, it is really important, no matter where you're at in your career, to make sure that you're, you're keeping an eye on these beneficiaries that you've named and are keeping them up to date. And I want to talk about a few things to keep an eye on as you do that. So a few either red flags or just things to keep in mind as you review your beneficiaries um, throughout your career. Um, for me, I look at them for my clients once a year. And that doesn't mean I I do anything. We have to take any action on them. But I just want to glance at them once a year and ask myself, has anything changed in that person's life to where they need to be updated or at least revisited? And if not, I just move on, right? So this isn't something where you have to spend a whole lot of time thinking about each and every year, but you just want to glance at them. And this is made a whole lot easier if you have a single place where all this is sort of documented, like inventoried out, all the beneficiaries on your different accounts, primary, secondary. Um, for me, I have an entire estate plan diagram, so I, I'll diagram out the entire estate, what the trust says, what the wills do, um, what the powers of attorney say, where the accounts are going, who the beneficiaries are. So it's really easy for me to turn to that with clients and say, hey, here's what's going on. And, you know, We can reference that and, and make decisions if we need to. But if you can just collect that information into one place and in, in one list, 
it's a lot easier for you to look at that, glance at it, update it when needed. Let's talk about a few things that I think you should keep in mind as you look at your beneficiaries um, throughout your career. Number one, I just want to look at, is there a named beneficiary? Right? Is someone actually named to inherit your stuff or receive that that death benefit, probably for the for the insurance, but to receive these accounts if you were to pass away? This is easy to forget about or miss out on, especially when you think about uh, changing jobs. Um, you can transfer your 401k, for example, to the next job, to the 401k at the next employer and forget to name a, a beneficiary or beneficiaries at that next 401k. Uh, maybe you roll it into an IRA or you transfer your IRA to a new place. If that beneficiary isn't a part of the application to get the account open, it's easy to forget about naming someone. So the first thing I want you to see is just, is there a named primary and secondary beneficiary? With an insurance policy, a life insurance policy, that's usually going to be a part of the application, right? So it's, it's not something that's often missed. Um, but it's really important. You want to make sure that someone or some institution or entity is named as a beneficiary. You want to make sure someone's there. Um, sometimes, some 401k plans, for example, have a an order of operations to catch you if you don't name anyone. Like sometimes it'll be your spouse and then your children and then your parents, right? There's going to be an order of operations, um, but some don't. So you just want to check to see that someone is named. Uh, secondly, you want to look at have they been updated since your life has last changed or really just have they been updated recently? This is also really easy to miss. Um, you think about all the changes that can happen in your life. You know, you may get married. Um, you may have children or you may have more children. Um, at sometimes people get divorced and then remarry. So there are changes that can happen in your life. And you want to make sure that these beneficiaries are changing along with that. I can talk about stories that I've seen and I've heard where um, spouses have remarried but forgotten to change the beneficiaries to the new spouse. Um, I've seen situations where kids just aren't named as as contingent beneficiaries um, or, or the new children aren't named. So you want to make sure that they are regularly reviewed and just updated along with changes in your life. Next thing to look at is do your beneficiaries match your overall estate planning? So let's assume that you have gone through the exercise, that it's made sense for you to go through the exercise of talking, I'll say talking with your financial advisor, reviewing your estate plan, and then meeting with an attorney, an estate planning attorney, to really formalize all of your wishes, right? So you, you've gone through the exercise, you've, uh, you've gotten maybe a living trust, you've gotten a will, healthcare, financial powers of attorney, and you have a clear sense of who should receive and inherit your stuff, who should manage it, how should they manage it, who should watch over minor children, things like that. So do your beneficiaries now line up with that? Um, for example, if your kids are going to be receiving your stuff, uh, if something were to happen to you and your spouse, are your kids named as um, secondary or contingent beneficiaries? Are they involved in the beneficiaries? Um, if your trust should be receiving things, is your trust a beneficiary, either primary or secondary, in these accounts? Um, this is important with life insurance because oftentimes that living trust should be receiving life insurance proceeds, that death benefit. And all of that cash, all of that death benefit should be handled based on what that trust, shed, uh, what that trust says. 
So is your trust a named beneficiary, either primary or secondary, depending on what you, you've decided with your advisors, uh, on your life insurance policy? Uh, same thing with charities. If, if charities are involved in your estate planning, if you want to leave assets to charities, are charities named as beneficiaries? And uh, maybe that brings up another question. Are, uh, should charities be named as beneficiaries on retirement accounts, for example? Um, oftentimes, we want to leave charities something. And uh, we'll, for example, write it into our living trust. But retirement accounts are really efficient accounts, assets to leave to charities because um, they're often pre-tax, meaning that when you put money into them, you get a deduction. But in retirement, when you get money out, it's going to be taxed to you. Uh, well, because there's going to be that tax lingering, uh, if you let in a uh, if you let a charity or a nonprofit inherit it. That nonprofit is not going to pay taxes on it, right? So you you can leave more efficient assets like life insurance proceeds or like taxable investments or a house to your your children, and you can allow the uh, the charity to take advantage of that that tax benefit that they have uh, and inherit an IRA. So you just want to look at okay, how are our charities involved in your estate plan? Should the IRAs be uh, naming them as beneficiaries? If you have a living trust. Another thing I'll add is that are our accounts or assets titled so that the living trust or really the trustee has control over them? Are they titled in the living trust? I guess you can say is an easy way to say that. So if you have like a taxable investment account, is it a trust account at your institution? Is it going to be controlled by the trust? If you have a house, is the deed of the house changed so that the trust has control over it? So you want to make sure that uh, whatever your estate planning is is saying should happen, that your your titling of different accounts or your beneficiaries match up with that overall plan. Um, the next thing you want to think about are any are any minor children named as beneficiaries. How are minor children handled as a part of that? If you do have minor children uh, named as a part of your estate plan, you want to think really carefully about about how that should be handled. Um, should the assets, should the living trust, for example, if you have a living trust, should a living trust be named as a beneficiary? And what are the, uh, what are the pros and cons of that? Or uh, another thing, another thing you can do, which is is commonly done, is that you can name a custodian for minor children if they are beneficiaries on an account. So an example of that. This is just an example, right? An example of that is you might name your spouse, for example as the primary beneficiary of an IRA, of an individual retirement account. And, and, and then you name your two minor children as, um, as contingent beneficiaries. Well, you can add a custodian for your minor children. Um, usually it'll be called uh, you know, a custodian under a UTMA, um, under the UTMA law or UTMA law of whatever state you're in. And UTMA is just the laws that allow you to name custodians, you know, essentially for for different accounts. If you heard of an UTMA account for for your kids, like that falls under that law, and so that allows you to name a custodian for that minor child if they were to inherit it up to their age of majority in whatever state you're living in. So that's another thing is is um, is can you and should you name a custodian for that minor child? as a part of the beneficiary designations. Not all institutions support this, unfortunately. Uh, some allow you to write an attachment or they might have their own attachment as a part of, uh, that you can attach to your beneficiary change forms. Um, sometimes others allow you to sort of write up your own and they have accepted language that they'll accept. Uh, 
Um, so that's something to think about uh, and and talk with your professionals about what's the best way to handle your minor children if they're inheriting your assets. And again, that's another part where you really want that to align with the rest of your estate plan. You know, for example, if you are naming a custodian, uh, does that align with who you are naming as guardian uh, for your minor children or who you're naming as as trustee, who is the person that's going to manage the money, right? Maybe those are two different people. So you want to make sure that these deci- these decisions and the beneficiaries are aligning with everything else. Next thing you want to think about is, uh, and just the last point, I just want to reiterate, have a way to just regularly check in on these things, right? These are not top of mind for you. I, I fully understand that. I think estate planning, everything involved in that in general, is simply not top of mind. It's it's one of those things that are really important, but not urgent. So I, I understand this is not top of mind for you. Have a way to just regularly, you know, give yourself an annual reminder. Hey, once a year, check your beneficiaries, make sure they're up to date. Or if you have an advisor, a financial advisor like myself, make sure they're working with you to keep those up to date. And uh, all of this, you know, all of this estate planning stuff is definitely something where you want to work closely with a good estate planning attorney. I think good help, especially in the legal department, especially in estate planning, is well worth it. Um, it can allow you to make sure that your wishes are respected as a part of all this. It can it can definitely help. You know, doing really good estate planning can help ease or limit conflicts uh, if something were to happen to you. So I, I think having good legal advice is absolutely worth it. Uh, work together with your professionals and all this, and just have a way to regularly check in on all this. So this isn't legal advice. Don't take legal advice from some guy on a podcast, but. Check with your professionals, talk with your team, make sure everything's buttoned up and up to date. And so with that, if you have any questions about all of this beneficiary or estate planning stuff, um, feel free to reach me by email, Yvonne, E-V-O-N, at optometrywealth.com. Check out my website, optometrywealth.com, to learn more about me or, or my firm. And um, if you want to learn more about how we help optometrists nationwide, feel free to schedule a a no commitment intro call, and we can talk about whatever's on your mind financially and and go from there. Uh, and with that, I just want to say I really appreciate your time once again. Uh, we've got a whole lot of uh, guest appearances coming up on future episodes, so excited about that. Maybe I'll see you next week at Academy if you're in California and heading over there. Uh, but in the meantime, again, appreciate your time. Appreciate you listening. Share the episode if it's helpful to you. Um, leave a review. Those are always super helpful to make this a better and better resource for, for you and the optometry profession. So with that, we'll catch you on the next episode. Take care. Want more resources to help master your money? Check out the Education Hub on Yvonne's website at optometrywealth.com. Yvonne Mindrin is a certified financial planner and owner of Optometry Wealth Advisors, a California registered investment advisor. All opinions of Yvonne and his guests are their own. This show is for informational purposes only and should not be relied on for specific investment, legal, tax, or other decisions. Clients of OWA may own securities mentioned on this show. 